vocal coach and founder of Soundcheck Studios in Ballarat, Victoria. Zava Jarvis launched her music school just over two years ago and in that time has built a thriving community of over 200 students, both in person and online. Despite a 95% statistic of failures for startups, Zara has managed to create a profitable business with a team of 13 staff, a strong Instagram following, and has recently launched her online store. In this interview, Zara shares some powerful tips on those who have started or are considering launching into a music education business. We discuss her personal challenges and triumphs throughout her journey, including a serious health scare at 20 years of age, which taught Zara that life can be short and fueled her inspiration to live life to the fullest, to chase her dreams and to take massive action. This conversation explores the harsh reality of owning a business, the value of patience, learning new skills and managing operations, marketing, performance management, as well as key factors for hiring new staff, optimizing creativity and more. Zara is proof that with the right attitude, driving desire and genuine passion in your own cause, that it's possible to build your dreams and make a living doing what you love. Here's my interview with the lovely Zara Jarvis from Soundcheck Studios. As artists, we are creators at a fundamental level. We see the world through a unique lens and don't settle for mediocrity. Some of us want to create new opportunities and leave a legacy, while others want to simply make a living doing what they love. This podcast gives you access to the most successful people who give new insights and tips on how to grow your following, get more gigs, and make a living in today's rapidly changing music industry. Welcome to the Do What You Love podcast, the place where musicians, artists, and entrepreneurs share their inspiring stories and advice on how to succeed in the music business. Thanks for tuning in with me. I'm Steve Jazz. Let's get into it. Let's start with that. Tell me about your studio. Yeah. I had, you know, had a look through your Instagram mm. page just to try to look back at the beginnings of it. And I noticed that, you know, you went through the whole process of fitting out a studio. Mm-hmm. How was that experience? Oh, my gosh. It was, well, it was a learning experience for sure. Um, but, yeah, it, I I love it. It's it's probably what I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. I've always dreamt of having my own business and running things myself and, the opportunity was there to do it. And um, I was doing teaching solo at my own house or at my mum's barn, actually. And um, it just kind of naturally progressed into a business that it is today. So I fitted out a whole commercial space in Ballarat. We've got three big studios and started to build a team, which was intimidating at first. But um, yeah, it's amazing. Wow. So, tell me a bit about the team, just mm. to kind of give me an understanding of the operation and, you know, who ultimately you're serving. So, maybe start with the team. Yeah. So, our team, we have, I think we have 11 staff now. So, we have an admin team yeah. and we have a team of teachers as well. So, we do predominantly instrumental and singing lessons yeah. or songwriting lessons, um, whether that be singing, guitar, drums, piano, that kind of stuff. And our teachers are amazing. They're just so experienced but I think what sets our team apart from maybe other schools in Ballarat is that we have a lot of youth in our team so we've got this really fresh take on the industry which has been really nice and I feel like our lessons have been such a different experience to for our students than what I personally experienced growing up so yeah we mostly um, do lessons for 
And it, well, the the main thing we're trying to do is just build confidence in people. And I mm. think for us, music is just a way to do that, if that mm, makes sense. Mm. Our whole purpose is just to build everyone's self-assurance. So that's what we do. Love it. Mm. Love it. Um, you come recommended from a family friend. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, just based on that and I guess the, the personal development and the mindset mm. and building confidence is a really key theme that I see on your page yeah. and for what you do. So can you walk us through why that's so important to you personally and, mm. you know, how did that come about? Well, I think I've always been on this lifelong journey of self-development. I'm just such a lifelong learner. I don't think there's ever an end to what you can learn in your life. And um, I think it's been something that I've been really passionate about since I was entering the work force. Mm -hmm. So when I was at 16, one of my first jobs was in clothing retail. And the thing that I loved the most about being in clothing retail was that I could dress someone, they would come into the store and then they would leave with their head a little bit higher their back a little bit straighter, you know, and they would just feel better about themselves. And that was the start of me really finding my purpose. And music's been a consistent in my whole entire life, but I never really understood how those two things linked together. And so I did clothing retail. I just loved building other people's confidence. And then I realized singing teaching was a whole way of being able to do that. So first and foremost, I'm a singing teacher. That's what I've done for the better part of a decade now. Um, but singing for me is just like, like I said before, it's just like a vehicle of how I build my students' confidence mm-hmm. and putting yourself in that vulnerable vulnerable position to get up on a stage. It makes the rest of your life so much easier. If you can get up on stage and sing in front of an audience, like you can hold a conversation with someone. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like just those social skills that you build from putting yourself in that uncomfortable position. Um, it's like my favorite thing to watch with my students. Yeah, wow. Mm. That's beautiful. You can really relate to that. Um, absolutely. And I think the whole alchemy of, mm. you know, defining and discovering your potential is really become like a, a, a main topic of conversation yeah. for a lot of businesses these mm. days. Um, so would you say that that's the core value uh, that you would potentially be offering your students yeah I think so like confidence and life skills yeah I definitely think so I think um in it's something that we speak about in our staff meetings every single term it's something that we talk about as a team constantly is how can we allow our students to grow not just as musicians but as people and the same goes for the way I lead my team how can I help my team be better at their jobs but also how can they leave hopefully one day leave Uh, my company and feel better about who they are as people because of their experience there. So I just think that's so valuable. And it's just my overriding purpose and why through every single decision I make in my life and every single path that I go down is always how can I build other people up because that makes me feel so much better about myself as well. Mm. That's that's awesome. So tell me more about the operational side of things yeah. and the way that you m- might facilitate that growth for your students. Say, uh, if you walk someone 
through like the journey and mm. maybe give us a glimpse of how you'd be able to achieve that. Yeah, so a lot of our students come from uh, a position of like, let's give an example of like our adult students. Mm-hmm. A lot of our adult students are our most beginner mm-hmm. students. They're students that have maybe um, gone through their whole life wanting to sing but never taking the leap. And then they get to this point in their adulthood where they're like, oh my God, I can't never give this a go and just die one day and always think, what if, (laughs) you know? So they come to us and they just go, I'm just going to jump in the deep end. And they're the kind of people that jump up on stage and sometimes they have a breakdown and cry. And sometimes the pressure is so overwhelming. But when they achieve that thing that they're going for, it's like, an epiphany happens in their life and that we see every t- opportunity they get to get up on stage and push that limit. Um, we see so much growth in our students every single time. And even just being in a room with someone and sharing your voice, singing is such a vulnerable thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's like soul, it's like soul bearing. It's mm-hmm. like showing a part of yourself that a lot of people hide away from the world. So being able to do that in front of a singing teacher is a big step for a lot of people. And then being able to do that on a stage in front of an audience is an even bigger step. So we see a ton of growth in our students from just going through that simple process, but having a teacher specifically that is able to hold their hand and nurture them through the process is really important. Yeah. So let's let's talk a bit more about that personal transformation. Mm. Um, do you have any examples, I guess, of students who you know, made that jump and mm-hmm. was it something you said, was it something they said or a colleague said that lifted the lid on their mm. potential? You know, have you noticed those little points, those turning points and can you share some of those? Yeah. I, there's one student that comes to mind straight away um, and I won't say her name, but she um, she grew up in her life f- always being told her dad was a musician and she grew up always being told that she couldn't amount to what he had done or she was always off pitch or she didn't have a great voice or she always just felt this judgment coming Mm. from her dad. So she always just thought singing wasn't for her. Music wasn't for her. And then in her thirties, she came to this epiphany where she was like, I need to give this a go for me. It's something that I've burned to do my whole life. And her whole life, she's never had a single person that's gone you're a great singer, do it. So coming to Soundcheck and finally having someone that says, you can do this, we believe in you, Mm. was such a pivotal moment for her to get up on stage. And the first time she got up on stage, she cried and had to start the whole song again. Um, But I remember she told me that the one thing that got her up on stage was that she told her daughters that she was going up on stage. Mm -hmm. So she said, once I told my kids that, that was it. I tied myself to that opportunity and she's been an absolute weapon ever since. Like she's been doing lessons for I think two years now and she's got her first gig in a couple of weeks, a paid gig. Mm. And that's from, you know, a couple of years ago, not being believing in herself, not being able to sing in front of a crowd without bursting into tears to now getting paid to perform at like a festival, which is so cool. Wow. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's huge, so cool. huge transformation. Yeah. yeah. Great. Hey, um, so tell us, Sarah, more about your life, your mm. day-to-day, you know, because a lot of people think uh, business is all doom and gloom. Uh, not doom and gloom. Uh, it's all, you know, love, dust and- Yes. Easy. Love, trust and pixie dust, as they yeah. say. <laughs> um, but, 
Yeah, you know, and a bit of a walk in the park. But mm. tell us what really goes on, you know, in Zara's life, you know, oh. from the admin, finance, sales, marketing, operations, all legal, financial, all this sort of stuff that people don't know about. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think when you look at Instagram, you think, oh, she just posts fun content and, like, goes and teaches her beautiful students and <laughs> lives this life of just being able to do what she wants when she wants. But the, the reality of being a business owner is that you have to wear every single hat. I'm sure you can relate to this, right? Right? So you have to, like the other day I was scrubbing toilets and, <laughs> you know, and then the next day I'm driving across Melbourne to do a podcast. So it's like so many ups and downs, but something that I've learned as a business owner is that at the start, you almost have to wear every single hat to eventually be able to delegate because I understand everyone's roles so well now because I did them once upon a time. And now that I have full-time admin staff, um, yeah, I can just relate to their situation a lot better, but I'm always hands-on in every part of the business. Um, the finance is like my least favorite thing to do, but it's just got to be done, right? Um, and I think a lot of creatives especially find it hard to balance that left and right side of the brain. They just want to do the the colors and the music and the fun, creative, innovative side of the business, but there always has to be that strategy that goes alongside it, which I think I've been able to balance through the last couple of years. Great. So um, why don't you tell the audience and those that are listening more about those first two years in business? You know, how long has it has soundtrack Just gone two years. Okay. Yeah. Just gone two years. Um, and you have how many full-time staff? Uh, so we, none of our, we're not full-time, but we have about 11 staff members that are okay. different days of the week. Yeah. Employees or contractors? All or? employees. Yeah. Okay. Oh, great. Uh, and then is this their primary income as well? Yeah. Most yeah, of great. them. Yep. Yep. And how many students all up? Do you guys I think we've just gone over 200-ish okay. students. Cool, cool. Right. So tell us in the first, let's say, six to eight months of that journey or even that first year, what happened there that, you, you know, that gave you or what were the signs where you realized, I need systems, I need automation, mm, my God. I need to delegate in order to grow this thing? Like what were some of those milestones for you can you walk me through that oh my gosh well if I'm being totally honest that first year for me was so difficult because I opened my business in 2020 so great time of the, my life to open a business right in the middle of a pandemic um, so I was not only battling all of the things that came along with being a business owner and also being a young business owner female that comes with its own set of challenges but I was also battling lockdowns mm. and COVID policies and check-ins and all the other vaccine everything so um, that was really hard but for for me a big moment was um I got to a point where I was working inside and on the business at the same time so much to the point where I was just just about having a breakdown every day because the amount of pressure and work I was just burn, burning out in that first year I was I think I had 40 to 50 solo students myself as well as supporting my team and supporting the business and the processes and answering all the emails and sending all of the invoices. And I would get home at night at 9.30, 10, even later. And I'd say, okay, now on the laptop until two to answer emails and send invoices. And it got to a point where I was like, I just cannot 
do this any longer. So it was actually a huge step for me putting Steph on, who is the office manager now. For me, that was like a massive milestone for me because not only is it costly to put someone on, but also you have to like relinquish all of this control that you're so used to having over your business, which is like your baby. You know, it's like having a child. So I suddenly had to trust this stranger essentially with all of this power over my business. Um, But that has just projected our growth in a way I could not imagine because suddenly I've freed myself up to be able to work on the business and not just inside the business as well. Great. Mm. So leading from, I guess, uh, coming from a position of more of a leadership so you can be that example for your team and give them the support they need and supposed to, you know, be buried in your business and swamped into another job, Mm -hmm. basically. Literally. Uh, That's fantastic. That's such a a great result, Zara. Um, What was... um, so you mentioned that prior to starting the business, you were singing. Uh, you were a singing teacher. Was that uh, working at local schools, or yep. was it? Yeah, local okay. schools. Yeah. That was that's been your primary career path mm-hmm. since since I left high school. Yeah. Okay. Went straight into it. No experience, no qualifications. I just am. Something that a lot of people know about me is that I'm just a go getter. If I want something, I will chase it until I achieve it. So coming out of high school, I literally just sent resume after resume after resume, video, cover letters, whatever I could to get a position somewhere. Um, And I landed that, like I said, with no experience, but through my time there, I gained so much hands-on experience as well as completing my qualifications, which led me to being able to open my own business. But yeah, prior to that, just working for schools in Ballarat. Tell us more about uh, your lead acquisition strategy. I notice you're very active on Instagram. Very. <laughs> um, what's your primary source of, yeah, I guess marketing and your main marketing strategy? I think for us, I my first marketing strategy is always to focus internally on the students we already have mm-hmm. because the more we can over-deliver for them, the more word of mouth just does its thing, if that makes sense. Um, so for, first and foremost, word of mouth is huge for us. Um, But second, uh, social media is just, wow, it's so amazing. (laughs) The things you can do on social media, it's crazy, the people you can touch. So we have, I've always been very active on Instagram and trying to really, I encourage my staff to just be super relaxed on Instagram. Like sometimes they'll just get on Instagram and they'll do funny TikToks that have nothing to do with music, but they just show our personality and what our team and our culture is like. And then we also have a YouTube channel as well, which has been really amazing to extend our international demographic as well as bringing in some international students through Zoom. Um, And I think we're edging on 30,000 subscribers on YouTube, um, which has been a really amazing educational platform for us, which hopefully we can leverage into courses in the future. Hey there, thanks for tuning into this episode with me. If this episode is resonating with you and you know someone who will benefit from hearing this, please share it with them. It might be a friend, a fellow artist, producer, a coach, or an established professional looking for some extra inspiration and guidance. It could mean the world to them and give them the support they need right now to help them get to the next stage of their journey. Share it with them and connect with me on Instagram at Steve Jazz. Tell us your personal story and, you know, the 
the Zara story. Yeah. So I, um, as you know, grew up teaching, um, got my experience there and I had a bit of a scare in my life which was a really pivotal moment for me. So in 2017, I was 20 years old. um, I had a benign tumor on my head and I actually went to, I was getting a surgical procedure to get that removed. And I went to an MRI to get the whole situation checked just to see what kind of surgery it was be. Luckily for me, it was a really simple, easy surgery, no stress at all. But something that happened with the MRI is that my radiologist noticed lesions in my brain. I think that he noticed like 14 or so lesions in my brain. And he flagged this with me and sent me off to neurologists and doctors and they started talking about a condition called multiple sclerosis. I don't know if you've heard much about it, but it's essentially a chronic illness that is degenerative in your brain. So it attacks like the neurons, the myelin sheaths around your neurons and um, there's no cure. There's no real known for cause either. Um, but I was very quickly after an, I had an episode where I had an attack So I had lost all sensitivity and feeling from the left side of my body one day, couldn't move my hand, couldn't dilate my left eye, couldn't move my legs. And um, they diagnosed me with a multiple sclerosis attack. This was so scary for a 20 year old to to go through. But um, yeah, I, I got put straight on medication and it's been something that's been a part of a massive part of my journey. Um, since it's happened and it's still part of my day-to-day life today but it I grew up so quickly and I think that was a big um, life lesson for me and I try and take the positive lessons from that experience because I did learn so much about myself and I did develop so much as a person like I said I was only 20 years old so it changed a whole range of things about my life wow yeah wow (laughs) so what what did you take away from that experience? What did it give you? I think I, part of the, my biggest struggle with MS was my treatment plan that I went on. So I went on a treatment plan where I was at the hospital every single month getting treated. I also had to be at neurology appointments and MRI scans and blood tests in between my monthly appointments. So I felt like I was living at the hospital when I was 20, in my early 20s. And, um, Eventually, I was lucky enough to be moved off that treatment two years later. And those two years of being so chained to hospital um, just made me so, so eager to chase my dreams and to explode outside of Ballarat and to really do all the things I've dreamt of quickly because I kind of got a bit of a scare. Um, And I know that I'm going to live a long life that's going to be amazing but at the time I was like how much time on this earth do I have it starts bringing those questions into your head of do I have a longer life than everyone else how long do I have to achieve the things that I've always dreamt of doing so now I'm a very action orientated person this is the biggest lesson it's given me is to just life is too short and you don't ever know what is coming around the corner. So now I don't hesitate. I just go for it. If I want something, if I want to start a business or launch into whatever, I just go. Yeah. Well, what an attitude to have. <laughs> big action, big results. Yes. And with that um, attitude, let's talk a bit about, you know, the ROI and the, the risks, I guess, that are mm-hmm. associated with taking action. Um 
you've been in business now for two years. Yes. Um, so would you say that, you know, in, 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 in t- investing in that business with the capital and the outlay and the, you know, the studio and the commercial, uh, is it a lease that you have? Yes. With that, um, was there doubts in that process for you and what did that feel like, you know, as you mm. as you went along that, that investment, right, and like waiting for, you know, a break even, which, you know, typically takes between one to two years for yeah. any business? I, you know, something... F- but I, I don't really doubt my, I don't ever really take time to doubt myself. And and I guess there's been moments where maybe it's come up a little bit, but I am so focused on just moving forward and looking at the positives from every situation. I think it's the way I've been raised is that my parents have kind of always taught me that no matter what happens, you're healthy, you're not dead. Like, who cares if you lose all your money? Who cares if whatever happens, I've got a safety net to fall back on. So I've never been really scared to chase things. And um, yeah, I guess doubts have come along the way, but my attitude is to just really try and push through those because, I mean, it's just, I feel like it only brings more um, insecurity into my life to sit there and doubt my own abilities. So I just go for it. Right. Um, so on that, what would you, what kind of piece of advice would you give to any young aspiring business owner mm. that is considering taking that next stage? Let's say they've been, you know, teaching for a school or privately and they're looking to expand now into a team, start a company, mm. maybe get a commercial lease or build a studio. Um, what's the one thing that you want to share with that young aspiring entrepreneur? I think the biggest thing to know is that it's hard work. It's not all you see on Instagram. (laughs) You're going to be cleaning toilets. You're going to be mopping the floors. And I think that's like such an essential part of starting a business. People want to rush into delegating. Oh, I just want to get my first admin staff and not never have to do that. Or I want to get someone to do the content because I hate doing content. When you're rushing to just pass off these jobs so quickly, you're never really experiencing them. So just knowing that it's hard work, um, but it's so worth it in the end. I think that's like the biggest thing I've learned. Hey there, thanks for tuning into this episode with me. If this episode is resonating with you and you know someone who will benefit from hearing this, please share it with them. It might be a friend, a fellow artist, producer, a coach, or an established professional looking for some extra inspiration and guidance. It could mean the world to them and give them the support they need right now to help them get to the next stage of their journey. Share it with them and connect with me on Instagram at Steve Jazz. Cool. So let's go into the rapid fire questions. Um, top three books. Top three. Oh, gosh. Um, I have, I've just finished Neuroscience of Self-Love. I love that one. I love Marketing Made Simple and I love um, how, how to Beat Comparisonitis. That's a good one as well. Great. Mm. What were your takeaways from some of those books? Um, I've just finished Neuroscience of Self-Love and it's all about being able to reflect on your own actions and your words and your impact in life and how actually... Um, scientific mental health is it's not so fluffy as a lot of people think it's genuinely like there's a lot of science behind the way your brain operates okay (laughs) Um, I want to talk a bit about tech in your tech stack Um, 
let's start with that and then I'll ask you what tech you can't live without. So talk us through your software and operations mm-hmm. in terms of what you rely on to be able to you know, run and systemize your business. So my music staff is something that we use online for all of our um, organization in our scheduling and our invoicing. So we rely a lot on that. It also has a really good uh, feature where you can send lesson notes every single lesson. So it's a really nice touch point for our students and our families. Um, And then I also, we use Trello. Trello is such a good organizational tool and it's so cost effective as well. It's like, I think virtually free. And then I think we use Asana sometimes, which is project management and then Square as well, which is an awesome way to do direct debit for lessons as well. You mentioned you were sending out invoices um, mm. earlier on. Um, I, I was actually sharing that part of my last interview you know, I remember sending them out when I first started and literally in the envelope uh, back in 2010 and, you know, licking those envelopes um, and then slowly making that jump onto autom- automating that and using direct debit systems and then realizing obviously the power of systems. What was it like for you starting out? Did you go straight into direct debit systems? Did you see the, the full value of that at the beginning or did you have to sort of walk your way, work your way through realizing the power of automation and systems? Oh my God, that 100% was my journey. <laughs> wow. Like at the start, I cannot believe the amount of hours myself and Steph would put into the simplest of tasks replying to emails or sending invoices or even just doing receipts for payments, like Mm. manually writing every single bank transaction, crazy. So um, we've fully, pretty much fully automated our business only this year and it's been so freeing in our lives and also is so much more reliable for our families as well because they're not waiting for us constantly to send them a receipt. They just automatically get one. So, oh my God, automation. Zapier, do you use Zapier? Oh, being able to just link all of your software together. If, yeah, Zappy is like the best thing ever. So tell us about that. So you, you have, I guess, um, you use My Music Staff, mm-hmm. which is your schedule management finance invoicing. Yes. All in one. Uh, you've got your Square. You've got um, Trello for your, your team, your management, managing your team. Is that what Yes, project team? management project essentially, management. yeah. Um, and email marketing. Does that happen through my... We use MailChimp. MailChimp, from, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. Great. Anything else that I've missed? Um, we also use, of course, we use, oh my gosh, I've forgotten the name. What's the accounting software called? Um, Zero. Zero. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what Netflix. is it called? <laughs> yeah, Zero. Yeah. Yeah, oh my God. What a lifesaver. When I discovered Zero, my life changed. And that's how we do all of our staff pays as well. So I still pay my staff myself every fortnight um and so zero is a really good software to be able to not only do your bookkeeping but also pay slips and doing all of their timesheets as well so yeah zero is awesome and it links to so many things like square and being able to just cross like westpac and all that kind of stuff too yeah beautiful um so i'll take it any take you can't live without was Zero? Zero. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) My music staff is a big one for us. We rely on that a lot now. Mm. Yeah. And was that something you launched straight into when you started the business? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I did. Yeah. (laughs) I did a lot. Yeah. I I can't imagine having to change that halfway. Oh my God. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Painful. Um, What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Um, Oh, that's a good one. I think just to 
well, my grandma gave me this really p- good piece of advice. She's a nurse. Mm-hmm. And um, she, I, I asked her one day, how do you help, how do you not take your work home with you? Because I found that there was a point in my life where my students would come to me with their problems and I would take it all on my shoulders and go home feeling the weight of their issues in their life. And I was like, how do you just walk out of work as a nurse where mm-hmm. you see the, you know, the most horrific things some days? And she said to me that, when she has a patient that's down in a hole and they're at the pit of their life, if she jumps down in that hole with them, who's going to take them out? Who's going to bring them out of the hole? So instead of jumping down and giving, trying to relate to the situation and feeling like personal emotion um, attached to their situation, she would stand out on the surface and then that way she could bring them out of the hole, if that makes sense. So now I try and distance myself and... Um, not try and take my work home with me because that mm. was a really hard part of my first year was mm. just stressing about or if you've got a bad email it happens sometimes people aren't happy with whatever mm. service or whatever has happened in your business and I would go home and I would literally not sleep and cry because I took it so personally so now I just try and realize my business is not me I am not my business we are two separate things and I don't take it as a personal attack on my character that's interesting. So let's unpack that a bit because, mm. you know, I definitely relate to that. I'm sure a lot of the um, business owners out there who've been in business for more than a couple of years can relate to that whole, um, you know, setting boundaries and being able to stand with integrity in terms of around your policies, mm. uh, especially with your staff, being able to have those managing, you know, performance and having re- performance management conversations and conflict resolution and all these things that you as a leader are holding, bearing the weight of that liability on your shoulders, you know, with your lease, with your students. And so ultimately you, you bear this load and this responsibility because the liability is on you. Uh, so somehow you need to process that. And and at the beginning of that, it's taken very personally. Yes. Very oh my personally. Gosh. So at what point, well, how does one move through not taking it personally? To me, a big change in my life came when I started getting business coaching. So I employ, well, I I pay, um, her name's Amy Summers from Craft Coaching and Development. And she has been life changing for me over the last 12 months. Just being able to process my emotions and look at, through it, look at a situation through another lens instead of just my own emotional reaction lens. Um, so just being able to speak to her about the situations. I've started to build so much more confidence and just having those conversations with other business owners to be like, no, this is normal and you can stand your ground and you will always deal with backlash around policies. You always will because your policies don't suit every single person on the planet. But at the end of the day, it's your business and you have to remember that if they don't like your policies, there's potentially other businesses that they belong with more than yours. So, learning that it's okay to stand my ground and it's also um, possible to be kind and firm at the same time. You can say no and you can be kind at the same time. Hey there, thanks for tuning into this episode with me. If this episode is resonating with you and you know someone who will benefit from hearing this, please share it with them. It might be a friend, a fellow artist, producer, a coach, or an established professional looking for some extra inspiration and guidance. 
It could mean the world to them and give them the support they need right now to help them get to the next stage of their journey. Share it with them and connect with me on Instagram at Steve Jazz. Yeah, so I guess having a mentor, having a coach to help you process all of that um, because it's a really, you know, lonely journey. Yes. Um, for many years, I couldn't relate. I mean, and I still, to this day, I can't relate to my team 100%. Mm. I can relate to other entrepreneurs, other business owners, um, more so in other industries than music industries, believe it or not. But um, yeah, I think having having someone to process what you're going through in any situation or any career is super valuable yeah and if you know someone that owns a business just being able to have a conversation with them and be like is this normal and chances are they'll go yep that happens to me too and you go oh okay this isn't an isolated situation this is literally what it's like as a business owner and you will deal with that backlash and um you just have to you have to stand your ground and know your worth and just stand firm in that yeah absolutely so do you associate with or you know join any masterminds or other business owner groups or communities that you can you know share and divulge all your your personal um anguish (laughs) frustration with i do it a lot with my business coach otherwise i feel like i just connect with so many people on instagram instagram's been such a cool tool for me and i i have this little thing i do where i find a school and if i really love it i'll just try and figure out who owns the school and then i'll follow them on instagram and in no time we're having conversations in dms and sending voice memos or even having a zoom call and just talking out our issues and i've done that countless times over the last couple of years and I can't tell you how much you just feel like someone gets you because even in your family they don't always relate to your situation your students don't relate your friends don't relate mm. it's hard to find that person that can understand what you're going through and what you're carrying so being able to find business owners potentially that are in a similar situation to you has been it's been really helpful for me yeah 100 percent um Okay, a couple more rapid-fire questions, um, even though these were not rapid fi- so rapid-fire. We went down tangent on some of these, which is good. Uh, we're going deeper into it. Um, what's the best training you've ever attended? I mean, I know you mentioned your coach, but mm. is there a specific training or course or weekend? Or a- Yes, I love the Institute of Vocal Advancement if you're a singing teacher. You get so much out of that as well as the still methods. They've both been trainings that I've done that I have absolutely loved. And then something I'm really looking forward to in October is that I'm going to be completing my mental health first aid course just to better support my staff and to better support my community as well. Um, so I can't yet recommend that, but I'm excited about that and I think it'll be amazing. Awesome. How important is it for... Business owners, for musicians, for artists, for anyone in general to continue, you know, investing in themselves and educating themselves to you, like, you know, how important is that on a scale of one to 10? 10, 12, because mm. I invest everything I have into continuing to develop myself, but everything I invest into myself is in turn investing into my business because the more I can better myself, the better my staff perform um, and the more that they work for the purpose that we have as opposed to just a paycheck. Let's talk about that. So does your company have a mission statement? Yeah. So our mission is to create safe space for others to express and grow themselves. Okay. Mm. Right. 
And so tell us more about how you develop a culture. And you, I think, you know, I, I didn't quite read all your values, but you had established your set of core values. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a bit about that and how you measure those, um, you know, within the workplace, what kind mm. of rituals or situations and things that you do to, to make sure that those pillars remain active and people are living and breathing that culture. Um, yeah, so what we do with our values is we do staff reviews. We have four values and we split the, the year into quarters. And so our staff review every quarter has a theme. So, for example, one of our uh, core values is well-being. So one of our quarters, our staff reviews will be totally focused on our staff's well-being and the way they're supporting their students and their well-being. And then the next one might be about growth. So what professional development can we put you into? But we also, at our staff meeting, we are constantly drilling our values into our team. Mm-hmm. Like they could probably recite them in about two seconds because we just speak about them so much to the point where our team fully believe in our values as well. I think the more you talk about them in any situation you possibly can, the more people start to really understand how they flow into every decision in the business. Have there been moments where you had to pull your staff aside and say, look, that, you know, that, that behavior is not really aligning to the value? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Can you walk us through oh, that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's been so many. And I think I was really naive when starting my business. I always thought, like, if you just hire good people, you won't have problems. It's so not true. No matter how good the people are that you hire, your version of common sense is not everyone else's version of common sense and vice versa. So I love my team. I cannot fault my team. There is not a single person in there that doesn't deliver to the utmost high standard of their position. But there's always going to be situations where even myself, I can admit as a leader, I haven't communicated something in the in the way that was clear enough that for them to understand or at the start, I didn't, I wasn't firm on my expectations. This was a big problem that I ran into is that I didn't say, these are our expectations as an employee. Please meet these expectations in your time here. Instead, I was just like, oh, welcome. This is such a fun environment. We're all friends and we are, but also um, we just, people start to You know, at the start, there was times where people would get a little bit too relaxed on the job because they were like, oh, this is a chill job. This is a friendly job. I don't have to work too hard. It's really relaxed. And I'm like, no, there's still an expectation to perform your job. At the end of the day, I'm a small business. I can't pay people to do nothing. Yeah. So that was hard for me just to learn to set expectations before, like nipping something in the bud before it's even a problem. I'd love to speak to you with you about a particular issue which I've noticed over the years and that's about the difference between hiring for labor and skill versus hiring for results mm. and you know being a creative being in the music industry it's very easy you know there's there's three types of goals and, and, and most most staff and contractors that I've worked with can't delineate between the three types of goals because um, I'm, I'm just not sure why but it's it's it has to be something that's really brought up that we've got, you know, end results, we've got performance goals, um, and then we've got um, sort of practice goals. So you've kind of got your your means goals, your end goals, and your performance goals. And for some reason, what I've found is that when you work with creatives, they have this, this stigma that you can't measure everything, even, you know, even the feelings and the music and the energy that you're supposed that you're providing as a as a musician and I'm like well no actually you can there's ways to measure all of that and without measuring that you can't grow you know Peter Drucker management 
you know, um, thought leader. And it's true. Any any great company understands that if you haven't got these metrics in place and your role as a employer, leader, team leader, manager is to make sure that your performance is matching those results. And I guess this is where you, correct me if I'm wrong, but have you found that conversation where, or that situation where your staff have become complacent to a degree Mm -hmm. that they're feeling like things are going well but really um there's no proof of it and it's more based on feeling as opposed to measurable outcomes yeah we had to set start setting kpis with our staff so we do kpis now um since the beginning of this year where we measure how many returning trial students each staff member has so say a staff member has 100 trials we expect at least 75 of those people to stay on and we know that 25 of those people we we allow some sort of leeway there because we know that some things are out of your control like maybe they didn't realize that it was the price it was and they can't afford it whatever some things are out of your control in that trial lesson but 75 is the benchmark and at first with creatives 100% they were very resistant to hearing that we were setting KPIs because at first not everyone but a couple people felt like (coughs) it was a lot of pressure. They were like, I feel this pressure or like I'm starting to be um, really firm on like their performance and they just wanted to, yeah, go with feeling exactly like you're saying. But at the end of the day, it's a business that needs to operate and without those performance indicators, how can I continue to pay my staff and my rent and um, also measure growth and be able to forecast into that without having some sort of KPI that we're meeting week by week. So we set those and I'm looking to set some with my my admin staff as well at some point, which I'm still thinking about. Um, but I've seen also, it's been a really nice moment to celebrate the success, which for example, one of our staff consistently this year, term by term has hit 100% of her trial students returning. We would have never noticed that mm. if we didn't start measuring their KPIs. I would never have celebrated that. And now that's a moment for us in her staff reviews to be like, look what you've done. 100% of your students are returning. We can recognize your skill in that. And reward. And reward, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting one. You know, there's a lot of arguments that, and I've worked personally and hired, you know, some of the most experienced academics I've taught at university. And it's funny that there's a very, what I found in the industry, you know, you've kind of got two trains or two pathways. Um, there's the coaching world, which is predominantly trickled down from the coaching industry, which was only, you know, really something that's the boomed over the last 20 years from you know Anthony Robbins top down sort of trickling down into that whole world which is like the second fastest growing industry and still is and then you've got the academia mm. world and so you've got people from a, a, a more of an academic mindset that have gone through and done masters and lectured at all the great institutions but are not able to set work autonomously enough to be able to set and measure their own goals and achieve yeah. those own the, their those specific outcomes that are mm. consumable, recognizable, and are relevant to a wide range of student types. Yes, because they've been used to following a particular curriculum and you know making sure they meet those objectives that fits within that framework. But when you give them that opportunity and you know and a, 
and, and this is what I found is that providing let's I guess this will open up to the next point in terms of training staff how much training do you have you had to put in to to really get someone new on board that they can see the value of measuring mm. you know those results yeah it's I think it's a standard now that we can set upon throughout the recruitment process so we try to you know we try this is something that we can try and explain to people as they are coming on board that these there are these expectations and I've only become <laughs> confident setting those expectations in the last you know the second half of the year the years that I've owned this business um, but I think I'm so picky with the people I hire. I'm so picky. And when you're inside our team and you feel the energy that we have, you can see that there's a very particular type of person that I like to hire. And that type of person is A, someone that's empathetic for their students and everyone's situation around them, but B, has a growth mindset. Because if they are complacent or they're just too cruisy, um, they're gonna. They're not gonna work well with me because I have such a growth mindset, and I I gravitate towards people that are the same. Mm. So I like to think that we have part of our recruitment process that weeds out a little bit people that don't have that mindset because often it's it's something that I really expect of my staff, and if they want the job enough, which we get quite a few applications. So I think if you want the job enough, um, you've got to be this type of particular person that's ready to learn and also a lot of our staff come on as very fresh um, people in the industry a lot of our staff uh, have never taught before so this is their first experience in teaching Um, so we are giving them where that you know our complete view of how things should be done and they're very fresh on that hey there thanks for tuning into this episode with me If this episode is resonating with you and you know someone who will benefit from hearing this, please share it with them. It might be a friend, a fellow artist, producer, a coach, or an established professional looking for some extra inspiration and guidance. It could mean the world to them and give them the support they need right now to help them get to the next stage of their journey. Share it with them and connect with me on Instagram at Steve Jazz. Okay. And how long, what's the typical training period that you find for someone that's fresh, let's say, I don't know, just out of uni or how uh, fresh are we talking? So, like, to be honest, we we will hire, I don't hire to qualification at all. Yep. I hire very much on um, someone's personality and then their skill set often comes second because I think that's something that I can train quite easily, but their personality is something that you often can't change. Yep, yep. So, um, if they have a qualification, vacation from university which quite a few of our teachers do great if they don't I don't see that as the be all and end all because a lot of our teachers like we've got one staff member who came into the studio at 19 with no teaching experience um, but she is such a go-getter and she's the same staff member that has a hundred percent of her students return so she has been someone that from the start we said we'll give you one day a week and she is in two terms she started at the start of this year in two terms growing a schedule to full-time and that is because of her work ethic and the relationships she's created with her students only not because of her qualification or lack thereof in singing so um yeah I think it's just way more important to have that attitude attitude over skill any day of the week yeah, well. and so for someone like this young 19 year old mm. who's what now 21 
She's about 20. She started at the start of this year, so she's 20 okay. now. Yeah. Um, how much time was spent in roughly hours in sort of just nurturing and training her up to become, oh. you know, self-reliant and self-directed in that sense? Um, I think I'm starting to really see autonomy in her work over the last two months. So probably six, the better half of this year, yep. to be honest, um, just being able to support her. But um, she, she, I think we did training for maybe two or three weeks at the start of this year where she would observe lessons and then also have time with myself for professional development and just talking through like our lesson structure and what we expect. Um, but observations, our staff want observations more. They actually ask for it. They say, can we sit in on each other's lessons because they learn so much from each other, myself included. So um, we actually do observation. We're continuing to do this probably every six months where we do ob observation week, where we just pay our staff to sit in on each other's lessons for the entire week. Um, and that's just continuing that growth. But yeah, I think she's totally just starting to get her confidence over the last couple months. So it's probably taken her six months to really start to feel like she's found her feet in that role. Just to recap there, guys, it doesn't matter how much you know, it's, it's sort of the approach that you take and the growth mindset and the willingness to want to learn and continue to grow, which is probably the most exciting and attractive thing for any employer out there because skill can be trained. Um, I guess there's a baseline skill for them coming in to begin with, but knowing that, you know, you can obviously match their schedules with the appropriate students. Yesterday, I sat in on her teaching one of the most senior students at our studio and the day before she's teaching a five-year-old. Mm. So she's been really versatile and stepping in, but she meets them all with empathy and understanding and no judgment. And that's, that's the most important thing. Tell us more about some of your offerings. I noticed that you have a shop as well, yes. an online shop. Yes. Um, this is a new part of our business. And from a strategical point of view, um, especially with all the risks that COVID has brought over the last couple of years in lockdowns and not being able to always service in person, um, this is a really good way to just have a different income stream. So, so we're not relying on one source of income, but also for us, it's a way to spread our purpose further than our hometown. So um, yeah, we I have a present for you actually. Oh. This is our very first product. There you are. Thank you. That's okay. So this is our very first product that we're launching. And that is 108 songwriting prompts. And this has just come from um, myself finding that, I don't know if you, I would love to hear your opinion on this, but I've found that with my students that limitation often drives more creativity than giving someone the world of choices. Like I would ask my student to go home and write a song and they would come back a week later with nothing. But if I said to them, you've got 10 minutes and here's a song topic, they would write a whole song. And it's because with limitation, they stop overthinking. They stop overanalyzing everything they do. Um, so this has been a thing that I've done in my lessons for years. Um, I've given people these songwriting challenges and I thought this needs to be something that exists um, wider in, in, in the world. So I've created these and they're just like the scraps of paper I use in my lessons, but they're formalized and tested and they look prettier with colors um and they're the just essentially so pretty yeah the packaging's <laughs> cool so um essentially there's four different categories of cards and you just you can use them however you like you can just shuffle them up mm -hmm. pull a random prompt and it's supposed to just inspire creativity when you're not always um on a creative kind of flow state yeah well um we could 
probably go into a whole another topic yep. here in terms of creativity. <laughs> There's um, we spent the better part of the last eighteen months. Uh, developing and dialing in the operation for our collaborative offering we call M-Tribe, mm. which is essentially write, record and releasing music in a five-week cycle and, you know, assigning artists based on their strengths into teams. So we run this on Tuesday nights. And um, you're right, there's there's more productivity mm-hmm. and there's more creation that happens when you're setting frameworks and you're putting structures in place and you're using time, you're using deadlines. And 95% of the time, those songs are delivered because they know there's a, you know, a, a deadline. Yeah. They know that there's a, a reward and incentive at the end. You know, we get uh, Johnny in to come in the last couple of weeks to help sort of um, produce those tracks to get them sort of release ready mm. but having said that they know they need to have their vocal parts ready to go and, and tracked and by week three or four that if they come in prepared they're going to get you know a multi-platinum producer producing on their track yeah uh, and if you if you're not ready then you won't get that um which is part of learning to produce results and that's nothing to do with their level of creativity it's understanding human behavior mm-hmm. psychology um and really you know going deeper into how you can best create great products and one book mm-hmm. that i really recommend is creativity inc which is a story of pixar oh that's cool yeah yeah and so they talk a lot about what's called the brain trust mm-hmm. and they have they realize that you know when they come together and they have this weekly or even daily uh, congregation or meeting when they come together and they really just splat out all their ideas, they were able to measure Mm. that that was the fuel to their success and join the dots from those. There's the things called lag and lead measure. I'm not sure if this makes sense, but the things, it's like practice. The practice, the more you practice, the more, the better the performance at the end of the result. So they they were they realized that having this brain trust as one mechanism was the precursor or was the the thing that enabled the great movies. Oh, and I wonder if you had have said to those artists, "All right, write a song, and whenever you're ready, Johnny will come do it." How? Never. Never. <laughs> exactly. Isn't it crazy? But when you put those deadlines on, and they actually create something of a better quality with less time well it's it's time be- almost becomes relevant but you, you're you're bringing them into the present you're bringing them in the here and now yeah. and so they don't have an opportunity to procrastinate and to mm-hmm. decide you know par- analysis paralysis yeah. and all that but the here and now and so yeah it, it's a great thing and i think just having those tools in place in any creative organization, you know, going back to performance management, Mm -hmm. just being able to measure things and being able to like set schedules and go, Hey, where we've got a meeting to recap on our dreams this week. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Uh, Or we've got a meeting to, to get you, you know, from one level to the next, you know, and you, when you frame it in such a way, like who who the hell wouldn't want to. Yeah set time and space to achieve your dreams yeah you know and that's what we're doing we're taking the metaphysical into the physical and it's hence where like you know the art meeting the science or like you know the creative getting organized strategy is like, is like, like that that mesh that i've 
found that, to be honest with you, in my 10 years of doing this, that is probably the biggest thing I can bring to their life. Yeah. And I've got countless stories of people who have traveled and, you know, international success who, you know, just needed, you know, a few months of, of these basic tools to help them get organized, you know, even just mm. using things like spreadsheets. It's like, whoa. So simple. Yeah. But so many creatives are so stuck in that left brain zone Mm. that nothing ever comes of it. And they get stuck in that, you know, acknowledgement, acceptance and never taking action. And so never taking that leap because they're always stuck in this like creative flow. But like having the two meet together creates so much more. And I think that's something that I personally would look for in hiring is someone seeing, seeing that that person sees the value in having those metrics yeah. is one thing that I personally look out for and but yeah at the same time like it's very rare to find someone that's super creative a great songwriter and is, is very resourceful and super organized and mm. thankfully you know we've got a handful of them around but it's just very rare you never find it um, to all the creatives out there who are listening um, let's get measurable let's get productive yes <laughs> and it's not it's not taking away from your creativity in fact it's building upon it absolutely 100 yeah. percent um awesome zara it's been awesome hearing your story and t- getting you know really deep into the so business good. side of things and everything from managing to building to tech stacks to your personal story i'd like to finish up with just asking you what are your plans over the next two three years what's your vision my vision oh I'm such a vision person like my vision goes so far and wide but I see us in as far as soundcheck goes I see us launching more into the product space and I have so many ideas of other products that we can launch to help musicians guide that creativity and set more measurable um you know goals but also um i'm keen to launch soundcheck into schools so tour it around australia and create some sort of program that coincides with the australian curriculum so that we can take soundcheck on the road but myself personally i am looking to go into a bit of business mentoring next year so hopefully find some um, amazing people that i can help through their journey too Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. I've loved it. So good. Hey there. Thanks for tuning into this episode with me. Do you know any artists or professionals in the music industry who have an inspiring story to share? Right now, we are looking for a selection of key figures in the local and national music scene to be featured for an interview on the Do What You Love podcast. This is an exciting opportunity to be heard and discovered by thousands of active listeners in the industry. If so, please share this podcast with them and connect with me on Instagram at Steve Jazz.